Welcome to June's episode of The Vegan Pod. With the cost of living on the rise, people are more concerned than ever about where their money goes. And the cost of food is actually increasing at a faster rate than a lot of other essentials. Many people believe that vegan food is more expensive than non-vegan food. And a reason often cited for people not taking up a vegan diet is the price of plant-based foods. So is this true? Is it really expensive to be a vegan? Research, including an Oxford University study and our own Live Vegan for Less cost comparisons, shows that eating a vegan diet can actually reduce your food bill. The Oxford study states that in high-income countries, vegan diets reduced food costs by up to one third, whilst our research found that across the major supermarkets, vegan sources of protein such as dried lentils, peanut butter and baked beans continued to be the cheapest options. So where does the reputation that veganism is expensive come from and what can we do to tackle this? As usual, we've got some brilliant minds on the subject here. So here to answer our questions, we're joined by the vegan punks, Dan and Jess, recipe creators and food photographers, and Katie Besco, the author of several vegan cookbooks, which focus on low cost, speedy recipes. So welcome to you all. Good morning. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. As usual, I start by asking people what their vegan journey was, a little bit of a share. Uh, Katie, let me start with you. How did you, uh, how did you find yourself? vegan <laughs> so my journey started 16 years ago now um, back in 2006 when it was really difficult to be vegan um, it's not like it is now where it's so accessible um, I moved down south from Yorkshire down to London for uni and soon discovered that the streets really weren't paved with gold and I would have to do something in order to survive um, I was a vegetarian at the time vegetarian from childhood because I love animals and I actually found that going vegan was was my uh, my path for, to live cheaply. Um, I was able to go to sort of local food markets and get lots of you know fresh fruit, veg, seasonal produce, as well as lentils and beans and all those lovely things from Asian grocers. And it was just a really cheap way to live. So it was from my point of view, it was it was the cost um, that that led me here really. That's brilliant because you think that you think that it would have been even more expensive then you know and I know 16 years ago it was definitely difficult to find things like milk replacement you know like plant-based milks and they would have been more expensive and a lot of the things that you know that we consider essentials now to a vegan diet would have been more expensive then so you were still doing it you 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 are the Don. <laughs> <laughs> the old school. And I think, you know, back then, the only place you could get those sort of processed foods that we've all come to love yeah. and so convenient was a health food shop, believe yeah. it or not. It, you know, it wasn't particularly healthy, but it was there and you could grab, you know, vegan sausages, vegan, some vegan cheese, questionable yeah. vegan cheese, but it was there in the health food shops. It's not, it wasn't supermarkets like it is now. Yeah. It wasn't cheap. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Jess and Dan, have you got a joint vegan story you know did you meet come together and become vegan at the same time or have you got two separate paths no it's it's a joined path I think we we've been surrounded by veganism for quite some time um before we went vegan ourselves so we were together three years I was pescatarian I went veggie while we were together and Dan just kind of like did the same sort of thing that I was doing because you weren't really a big meat eater and I was kind of on the path to not wanting to eat and I'd, I'd not wanted to eat meat and I hadn't been um, eating meat since I was what 16 or 17 when I was a pescatarian and then we both worked at Ecotricity, the world's uh, first green energy company, so we were surrounded by 
the green method we were surrounded by all these things that we're passionate by and we just kind of like I always say we kind of like took on the vegan message sort of through osmosis sort of like Mm. you know just being around the environment and um wanted to to go vegan in 2016 but my one nemesis was chocolate like we got married in 2016 and it was we had a completely vegan wedding even though we weren't quite there yet and then 2017 I was like that's it we're doing veganuary well I'm doing veganuary and you joined me as well I didn't make you do it yeah then we just stayed didn't we it was and like you say Katie like even what did you say six 16 years ago but even back in 2017 when we first went vegan it was a lot harder like there was nowhere near as many options in the supermarket as there is now so we found that doing our online shopping from Ocado because they had the best selection of everything and then since since those few years have gone by it's exploded it's really spiraled hasn't it? yeah it's hard to remember now how that we actually had those struggles Dan you were nodding uh through all of that in agreement because yeah. <laughs> I feel I felt I feel I could sense some reticence that Jess was like am I speaking for him but you yeah. were nodding frantically which I feel people should know two really good points you make there I love that you said you took on veganism by osmosis because I'm forever trying to find metaphors that don't relate to animals like chicken and egg and things like that so actually osmosis is the best plant-based metaphor for yeah. taking right. something on ever. So I'm going to start using that a lot more. But also, you know, that, you know, you said you wanted to sort of move more towards a vegan diet and, you know, and Dan sort of took it on. And actually, I think, you know, we it, it can be a beautiful way to be led into veganism through a partner because it is gentle. Uh, as long as you don't put pressure on, if they're just sort of falling in with what you eat. And then I know for my partner, he's like, my God, this is delicious. And I would never have eaten this if it wasn't for you. And then, you know, two years later, suddenly he's vegan. You know, it's not like, it's not like he chose to, it just sort of happened, you know. Um, but but Jess mentioned that chocolate was her nemesis. What Were there any difficult things for you, Dan? Um, it was cheese for me, which I think is a pretty classic one. Yeah. Um, I still don't think there's a perfect replacement out there, but I just stopped eating it. And then a couple of months yeah. later, I didn't really care anymore, which I think is a pretty common story. I don't think I don't think people tend to find like the perfect vegan alternative. They just kind of get used to not having it. And then um, some of the alternatives become a little bit tastier once you're once you're not missing cheese anymore. I agree. And I also think that it's a really good lesson in life for for giving things up generally. Just after a while, you stop missing it, (laughs) especially if you're not, especially if you're filling your life with other things that replace that thing. And that's, you know, that goes beyond food. I think, you know, just after a while you go, huh, it's okay. It's fine. I I agree. I thought I'd struggle with cheese, but, and I occasionally have some vegan cheeses, but um, we go to France quite a lot. So there's cheese everywhere. So I have some yeah. vegan cheeses when I'm there because I feel like when in Rome. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, great. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your stories um, with us because it's always fascinating to find how, how people came to it. So meat and dairy, quite typically pricey products. Why is it, do you think, that veganism has a reputation for being expensive? And do you think there is any truth to the fact that a vegan diet's more costly. And I feel if I start with you, Katie, you'll be like, no, because I've been doing it 16 years and it's fine. Um, So I am going to start with you, Dan and Jess, because elements of it are expensive. So I use a lot of nuts and I use cashew nuts a lot to make vegan parmesan and to make um, creamy sauces. And they are expensive. I don't know if they're more expensive than meat because I forgot to look at the price of it. But, you know, do you think there's any truth in it? I think it depends 
how you eat, because I think part of the reason why it seems expensive is the way that people have been eating since factory farming lowered the cost of meat and dairy and brought it to a point like you hear about parents and grandparents only really ate meat like once or twice a week or something like that. And it was like it was like a luxury product. And I think if you're going to make a switch to veganism and use meat replacements in every single meal, then it probably will be quite expensive because those are products that are more on the expensive end of the scale. But if you're going to eat like more traditionally, maybe like one or two meat substitutes a week, and you're going to cook with more whole food stuff like lentils and beans, you'll get like loads of great protein for a lot less money. So I, I think it really depends on exactly what you're cooking with and what you're eating. And Katie's nodding frantically there. Obviously, Katie, the OG, cheap, cheap cooking vegan. What, what would you add to that, Katie? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's like any diet, isn't it? If you, you know, any lifestyle, if you eat processed foods, it's going to be expensive. If you're eating lots of meat, it's expensive. If you're eating lots of processed foods, it's going to be expensive. But if you do look at those whole food, whole food alternatives, you know, you can create something that's a lot cheaper. There's nothing wrong with eating, you know, the meat alternative, not at all. It's all about balance, isn't it? From a mm. cost perspective, it just should just be a couple of times a week to be in par with, with other diets. But it is a bit daunting, isn't it? So you've got uh, several factors because there'll be lots of people who don't cook a lot of things from scratch to begin with because, you know, we're now sort of third generation of, pro of you know, ready meals. You know, I'm, I'm, my mum, you know, I'm 57 and my mum, you know, gave me Finder's crispy pancakes and all sorts of hideous monstrosities that they were just churning out at the time. It was like, what else could we make into a ready meal? You know, and that was, you know, and she must have been, you know, she was working single mum. She must have been over the moon to be able to give these things. So, so we're now, you know, and I've got grandchildren. So, you know, we're in a situation where ready meals are very uh, part of people's diets. And although, you know, you say it's more expensive to eat ready meal you know for, for for meat eaters actually some of those ready meals are incredibly cheap compared to a good quality piece of meat so it can be quite daunting what would you say to somebody who currently you know maybe 50 percent of their food shop is things that they can stick in a microwave or whatever and they, they want to go vegan because that that is hard what what was what would be some sort of good go-to starter recipes that mean they're not cooking all day every day and they're not really thrown into a world that is quite alien to them for me it's you know it's always that when people say batch cooking it sounds really scary like you've got to spend a whole day doing it but when you're cooking you know your chickpea curry that's really easy 15 minutes pops do a little bit extra make some more pop it into a container pop it in your freezer you've got an instant ready meal it actually hasn't cost you any more and um, just bulk it out you can bulk it out with a few more chopped tomatoes another kind of chickpeas which I know again the cost has gone up in recent years but it's nowhere at the equivalent of chicken so I think you know just make a little bit more and, and pop it in the freezer for later. Simple sound advice and what would you say Jess to that? Uh, I totally agree with batch cooking but I would also say to think about the things that you get in ready meals already and because supermarkets have brought out so many more um, options there are a lot of own brand like I think in Sainsbury's and Tesco they have um, ready meals I don't I don't know the whether they're they're cost equivalent but I, they, they are coming down in price and I think maybe I, I, I wouldn't want to say exactly how much I think how much they are but there could be some alternatives to have a look at what 
you know, what you can replace like for like, but the vegan version. Um, but then thinking of maybe incorporating a little bit of that and the batch cooking and then thinking about the things that you like to eat before trying this switch to veganism and then thinking about how you could make them at home in a batch cooking kind of style mm, mm. and batch cooking I find a little bit addictive actually <laughs> like, right. I'll do I'll cook a nice big batch of something and then we'll have it for our dinner and then my partner will be like oh is there any more and I'll be like no because I'm saving it <laughs> he'd be like what? what I'm not allowed to have seconds like, no it's my but I've got like things in Tupperwares in the freezer and the fridge and everything all the time so I think once you get into it, it you can feel quite smug can't you if you've manage to make meals for another couple of days do you notice I mean did you notice obviously for you Katie you did notice a a, a cost difference when you went to veganism because that's the whole reason you well the biggest reason you went there but um, but what about you Dan and Jess did you notice it costing less I can't remember it noticing that side of it but I was so busy feeling a million dollars and loving all the new foods I was eating I don't think I thought about that but did you did you notice a difference I don't know if I did initially. I think we were what it kind of like opened up the door to trying lots of different things. So I think maybe initially we were we were cooking with different types of ingredients and maybe like stocking up the cupboard with different things that we weren't using before. And I think that seems to be a pretty common story when people go vegan as they suddenly realize that there was actually more out there that they weren't trying rather than just like mm cooking their meat and two veg or whatever it suddenly like opened the door to this whole world of cooking with different things but I think since um a while ago we started cooking like a bit more budget friendly and using a lot more whole food stuff and and um using less meat stuffs and all that kind of stuff and I think I remember a point where we we really did like reduce our weekly food bill and um and then we did a few recipes for the vegan society as well for the uh, the vegan for less campaign and um and i remember like in those weeks where we were testing our recipes and stuff like that just thinking how how much cheaper it was to to do a whole week's shop and you just get like a load of meals that you've cooked up full of really good produce and and it was just you know a, a relatively small amount compared to if we were buying uh, meat and mm. milk cheese and stuff like that and uh, and I'm glad you mentioned whole foods there because obviously there's more to whole foods than them potentially just being cheaper because you know we're hearing so much more you know whether you're vegan or not so much more about gut health and you know about trying to you know inquire I think we're supposed to eat 30 different plants a week aren't you which I used to try and do but I was doing my head and I think I'd do it anyway I was doing my head in trying to keep a note I was like did I have an aubergine yesterday oh <laughs> so, so I stopped doing it in the end because I was like I know I'm doing it it's fine but that's what they say for good gut health um but obviously and, and you know and all the processed foods and we're hearing a lot of stuff about ultra processed foods and how really you know awful it is for you so let's talk about nutrition um I mean you know protein is never going to go away when you tell someone you're a vegan it's you know we get you get around to where do you get your protein from it's getting a bit better with that question I mean it used to be you know as a vegetarian oh I couldn't give up bacon now as a vegan I couldn't give up cheese where do you get your protein you know um but um how do you so we've got your beans and your lentils how do we keep the cost down whilst getting a bit of variety 
variety in there because I mean I love beans and lentils but you don't want to eat the same thing every day I also really appreciated your comment Dan about in the olden days people would only have bought a piece of meat once a week and then they'd have made made it last a week and so they were sort of having to rehash the same thing and make something a little bit different with it and make it last but how do we how do we bring some variety I'm trying to eat more tofu partly because I love it and I think there's lots of good things you can do with it but it's not cheap you know it's sort of 250 in the supermarket if you're lucky for a block of tofu how how can we bring some more variety in whilst thinking about nutrition whilst getting our protein and not getting bored and I'm going to throw that at you Katie because you've written lots of recipe books <laughs> I think it's strange, so you can't answer are... that I don't <laughs> <laughs> people are so obsessed aren't they about protein and it must be the only like lifestyle that people and I'm sure the people who are asking the questions probably aren't getting the sufficient amount of healthy protein but anyway this is the situation we're well, in I think I vegans. think just just stay just staying with protein though I do think there is this very unhealthy protein craze at the minute where whatever your diet is it, you know so so people used to ask me where I got my protein when I was vegetarian 30 years ago but now people when people ask about your protein it is it is ramped up people didn't care about protein 10 years ago or 15 years ago you know generally so so I think I think protein is bigger than ever as a discussion point and as something people think they need an awful lot of you know, which they probably don't. But anyway, sorry, interrupted you, Katie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, we know there's there's lots of different ways you can get protein into into your everyday eating, and actually, it's really easy to cook with. Especially if people think that you know you're going to be boiling beans for hours. I mean, I don't know, I don't have the time for that. I'm sure you don't either. It's all available in cans, and it's so easy to use. But even things like if you're making like a sauce to go on your stir fry, you know, just some peanut butter in there. So it's relatively cheap it's easy to keep in the cupboard it's going to ramp up that protein just really easy to mix and match lots of different proteins edamame beans keep them in the freezer chuck them on your salad chuck them in your stir fry get your your satay sauce with your peanut butter in there delicious really delicious really easy quick protein and, and what about you uh dan and jess what would you add to that i just i was just we talk, we've talked about this a lot with various friends about protein and how much protein you need. And we, we're lucky we don't get a lot of people going, oh, but where do you get your protein from? Like, it, we're not really exposed to much of that. But I do think, like you say, the protein topic has become a real big marketing campaign for so many huge brands. And people are on this sort of craze of, oh, my gosh, I'm not getting enough protein. What about my macros? What about, you know, all of this stuff that actually is important but is it as important as we're kind of taught that it is and I just think maybe we need to learn how people need to learn how much you actually need for a day because when you if you tracked it for a couple of weeks you're probably finding just with your standard diet without really trying you are getting enough protein it's really hard to not get enough protein mm. unless you're just eating carbs just potatoes I mean who wants to I like fries but who wants to eat just potatoes every single day like as long as you're getting a variety <laughs> you should be able to get that protein in but I would just agree with with Katie and just say that you know buying a bag of lentils some a red lentil curry a dal is just one of the most simplest things to make and so so cheap like you don't even need Coconut milk, for instance, you, it's all stock-based or, you know, water-based and just spices from the cupboard. And what's a pack of lentils? A pound. So, so cheap. And I think I would also add in that tofu is expensive from mainstream supermarkets, but in Aldi and in the Asian grocery stores, it's a lot cheaper. So you can get just as good quality um, tofu in Aldi 
for less than half the price of what the you know maybe the more mainstream supermarkets offering that's a good point so actually let's talk about shopping what are some shopping hacks to make this an easier and cheaper thing you know Katie you talked about when you moved um to London the streets were not paved with gold but they obviously had a lot of shopping options um, you know because you have you know not everyone has an Asian supermarket nearby Jess you mentioned um Aldi but Katie what would your sort of top three uh shopping hacks for for cheap vegan food be I mean, I think my main one is to try and eat seasonally. Everything tastes better in season. Everything is cheaper in season. Uh, whether it's, you know, you're going for your butternut squash in autumn, it's going to be cheaper than it is right now. You know, your strawberries right now are cheap and they're delicious. In December, they're not going to be either of those things. So I would say wherever you buy your produce from, do it in season. And that way as well, you've got variety for a whole year. You're not just eating the same vegetables, the same fruit, the same produce all year. That And also, you know, the budget supermarkets, they're absolutely brilliant, aren't they, compared to, to the more expensive ones? And if you've got a market nearby, you can often get a good amount of produce for a less price. It might mean that you have to, you know, cook with it a bit quicker than you would from a supermarket. So it's nice and ripe. But that's not a bad thing, especially if you're going to be batch cooking or, you know, you're cooking a lot at a time. Good point as well, that just thinking about planning. And we're not very good at this with our personal lives, are we? Because we're so busy putting time into work and all these other sort of commitments that we seem to have sort of put on our agenda you know going to the gym and all these other things that people do socializing having fun you know we're not very good at planning our our food and our meals and our cooking and you know I'm quite good at it but I'm I could be much better and I suppose if you plan your shopping in with that as well I live on a boat so I've got a very small fridge so when I go and do my big shop I think if I'm gonna have salad and stuff which I love I can't keep I can't I've got space in the fridge for very long so we have to I that's the stuff I'm going to eat today so I'm going to buy the that I'm going to eat the most perishable things the day I buy them <laughs> um, and then so but yeah I suppose planning not only for your cooking but for your shopping in relation to your cooking makes it a bit cheaper and shop in your cupboards as well before you actually hit the shop see what you've actually got in available that you can use you're going to be wasting less you're going to be eating what you've already got and that's never a bad thing what about you dan and jess yeah i think um i think the planning point was going to be the main one that you just brought up because we we do like a weekly plan of what we're going to be cooking every week and it just means that you can think ahead about like if if i'm going to buy a bag of carrots maybe i'll use carrots in that next recipe that i wasn't necessarily thinking about putting carrots in because it just means you can buy like a slightly bigger bag you get way more in the bag for like less money per per item so i think that's been a really big thing that um that's been good for us to keep shopping bills down and if you um, make your list in line with that plan it means that you're less likely to pick up random bits that uh, in the supermarket which I'm sure we all get tempted by yeah. I love I, you should see Jess's face she's like I'm clearly very she's very guilty of the random bits I could tell it's not like, with yeah. the list as long as there's a list it's okay <laughs> yeah 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 without the list they say don't go shopping when you're hungry as well don't they because you just buy yeah. stuff yeah it's a really interesting point when when we were in lockdown and I'm sure a lot of people found this you know we were all very good at only doing our weekly shop because that's what we were told we we wanted to you know we should do and also I you know in those early days and that first sort of three months I was actually quite scared to go to the supermarket so I'd go you know once a week and my partner would go so we each of us would only go you know every other week and you had to get everything you know we were really rigid you know you had to get everything for that week um and 
so you had to plan really carefully but actually and it feels a fuss doesn't it and a bit of a faff planning but actually if it means you only go to the supermarket once a week that you know whereas if you don't plan and you end up going three times to pick things up then that is obviously much more of a faff and much more time consuming and everything excellent advice planning very important i want to talk about meat alternatives that you can make yourself so i'm thinking seitan mostly there'll be people listening to this um who have no idea how you make seitan whether it's difficult whether it's easy i'm going to put my hands up and say i've never made any but my partner makes like seitan kind of um what's it called like sort of pepper i do you know because i'd never ate meat really even as a child i don't know the name of a lot of meats what are those sorts of fat sausages that you slice up is that like pepperoni oh, everyone's looking blank we're all vegans no none of us know uh, is it like chorizo like, like you get it on top of pizza yeah 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 so yeah <laughs> I literally don't know what a lot of meats are called um uh, so yeah he makes he makes seitan ones of those and then we put them in the freezer and then you know sort of you know slice bits up for a pizza but I've never made it my daughter makes a big seitan thing that we she roasts at Christmas for us to have sliced up I don't know who wants to go on this talk about seitan what's in it how you make it and how you can use it I I got quite into making seitan for a while. So um, I think that the, there's there's two main ways you can make it. There's just using plain, uh, like high protein bread flour, like strong white bread flour, which is a bit more work. You've got to make a dough ball and then rinse it until all the starch runs out and you're left with like a really high protein dough. And then you can do different things with it, like flavor it and knead it. And then the other method, which was more popular uh, a while ago, is to use vital wheat gluten, which is basically like the, the flour that's already high protein. It can be a bit of work to make seitan, but it's, the, it's in a similar way to when everyone got obsessed with making sourdough bread during lockdown. Like mm. it's just like making a loaf of bread. You, you know, there's like a kneading step and there's a resting step. And, and it's actually a pretty satisfying process. I think that... Um, I think that if if anyone got into baking breads, they'd probably really enjoy making seitan as well. One of the good tips that we had for when when I was making it with vital wheat gluten a lot was we went to our local health food shop and they get like a fresh delivery of breads on a daily basis from a local bakery. And we were able to ask them to... Uh, order some vital wheat gluten from the bakery because it's actually a waste product from a lot of bakeries so we were able to get wow. like, this huge five kilogram bag of it that basically just came in like a clear plastic bag for like half the price of buying like Bob Bob's Red Mill or like one of the bigger like well-known brands of vital wheat gluten if you want to get into making it it's probably worth going to like a local bakery or health food shop and seeing if that's something they can do because it was a lot cheaper Good tip. It's interesting, isn't it? How many vegan things uh, seem to be byproducts? I mean, not that Marmite's specifically vegan, but that's a, a byproduct of brewing, isn't it? What a beautiful, yeah. what a beautiful thing. Beer, Marmite, what yeah. lots of love. Um, thank you. Great tip. And Katie, Dan's obviously covered off uh, Satan there. What other sort of meat replacements and or, you know, cheeses? Do you make vegan cheeses? And and how, how you know, is that, a, is that a cost effective thing to do? What would you say? For me personally, um, it's too lengthy a process. So it's not something I would do making vegan cheeses. Um, I do have some of my favourite vegan cheeses. Like we were saying before, you sort of it takes a long time to get used to them, I think. But there are a couple on the market that are great. But in terms of making them, the idea for me of getting all your cashews and making them from scratch, amazing. But I don't have the time. 
Well, fair play to you if you do. <laughs> do you think there's a cultural barrier that means people think veganism is expensive or inaccessible? For example, a view that predominantly, you know, higher income individuals are the ones that become vegan. Do you think there are things going on? And if so, how how can we we tackle this idea? I think it does often have a perception of your sort of like your healthy food bloggers. And I think veganism gets mixed in with all that healthy eating when, you know, it's not, is it? It's completely different lifestyle. Um, but I think I think things are changing. I think people, you know, used to have that perception. I think people used to always have a perception of, you know, I used to often get told, you don't look like a vegan. And I never knew, really knew what I was going to look like, <laughs> hugging trees or, you know, I'm not sure. Um, but I think that's definitely changed. I don't think there's a certain way a vegan looks anymore. But I think there is a... a, a misconception that it's a white middle class only um lifestyle um and i think it's a shame it's got that because if you look back in history at how people eat in asia and other areas of the world and you know often vegan foods are oh, lower cost and you know people with lower incomes in india for example would be eating much more whole foods much more plant-based food um and like we're saying meat just once a week if that Mm. Um, so I think I think it's just about sort of reintroducing that and just lots of different voices now I think there's so many different voices in veganism online offline and I think we are really challenging that now which is great what would you say to that Jess yeah I definitely agree and I and I think it's the same as with sort of like with everything there's there's pros and cons and there's a lot of anti-vegan stuff out there at the minute and you know especially when you see new segments Piers Morgan or whatever's going on online there's always a criticism to veganism and it's almost like there's the, people need to put up a barrier because it's like because it's like one of those things that people say oh is that right there's sometimes they say that when you're not if you're not a vegan you're not veggie you might be thinking oh is that is that actually the right thing to do like maybe I shouldn't eat animals but there's sort of like that dissonance that people are not really connected with the animals and so there's it's it's normal to to eat meat wherever you know it's come from the animals that's fine there's like that disconnect there but then another but then sort of like to kind of bolster that it's all of these other arguments on top of oh, but I, I couldn't give up meat because it's so expensive. Where do you buy these things from? Like, it would just be difficult to go out to eat with friends. You know, there's there's a lot of things that come up as a barrier to veganism that I think gets a lot of, gets a lot of chatter, gets a lot of people talking on it in, in the mainstream. And I just think it can be, it can be a lot to take on. So when, you know, if you're putting on the TV or you listen to the radio and you've got some high profile journalists saying oh but it's really expensive oh but do you eat avocados they're bad for the environment there's yeah. a there's a lot there's a lot of nitpicking rather into into the movement overall rather than thinking about all of the good stuff that it's bringing and thinking about how easy it is these days I think there's yeah there's there's a there's a there's a lot to, to discuss I think on, on that point and I think it maybe goes a bit deeper than what we're needing to talk about on this podcast but yeah, I think it's um, a really big topic. I think you're right. We'll have to do another episode on it. <laughs> uh, now, I don't want to put you all on the spot too much, but uh, we talked a lot about beans and we talked a lot about lentils and a little bit about tofu. But I would like you each to give me a really cost effective and delicious recipe that 
you can put into the minds of people now that they could go off and I'm always looking for new things I think all of us get a bit stuck in our cycle don't we of the things we make each week mostly we love them that's why we we make them each week um but it's always nice to have something new I've just started trying to make quiches a bit with silk and tofu which is just a little bit different and it's a nice thing that you can have it hot the day you make it and you can have it cold the next day but and I used to be a big quiche maker when I was a vegetarian um so I've just brought that in it's kind of exciting it's like oh now I make quiche once a week go check me out um so what have you got to suggest that maybe people might not have thought of maybe they've got some ingredients in that are a little bit you know that aren't the things we talk about every day Katie I'm going to start with you. So I'm all about things being as easy and as quick as possible um, and you know obviously cooking it for the least amount of time as well um, so this one's just a really easy pear and butter bean tray bake you might think strange thing to cook with pears but actually they break down they're just so delicious when they're they're roasted so nice deep roasting tray cut some pears in half can of butter beans some sage just from the cupboard's fine you don't have to get fresh some if you've got some new potatoes pop them in there and some sliced carrots little drizzle of sunflower oil in the oven 30 to 35 minutes you've got a whole meal you don't have to worry about putting anything extra on the side you've just got a really delicious tray bake and it's lovely wow. as part of a Sunday roast as well it makes a really nice little present and also as, as the pears cook they kind of look like parts of chicken like chicken fillets I guess on the side so if you were serving it to someone who needs to see meat on the plate I don't think they would be too alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds great. I've never thought of cooking with pears as a savoury thing. So thank I, you, I don't Katie. know about in your house, but pears always sort of like the last thing to get eaten here. So uh, it's sort of looking a bit sad. I'm staring at three pears right now. They're just across yeah. the room from me. So, you know, I had one for, we had we had one between us for breakfast this morning on our, our cereal. But, um, but yeah, those pears are going to, they may get tray baked later. If they're not yeah, careful, yeah. they're going for the oven. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that, Katie. And uh, Jess, what would you say? The thing that springs to mind is, especially for the summer, is a recipe we created for the Vegan Society, actually, and we just shared it on our Instagram um, maybe last week. A, it's a Thai-inspired noodle salad, peanut noodle salad. So it's part of the Live Vegan for Less campaign, and it's, I can't remember the exactly, but I think it was about 90p a portion. Um, there's no cooking involved. Well, I say that you have to make sure that the noodles are cooked for, yeah. <laughs> for three minutes or you can buy the ones that are already um, already cooked. Um, it's just a case of grating sort of like fresh veggies, carrot, pepper, the cucumber um, and then making a dressing. And it's generally things that you've most likely got in the cupboard and then sprinkling on you know, putting it all together and um, sprinkling on some peanuts for a nice crunch at the end. Sounds delicious. Lovely. And what about you, Dan? Um, Putting on the spot a bit going last night. <laughs> everyone's still on the good thing. Um, <laughs> um, I've, I've been really enjoying cooking with TVP recently, um, which is a bit of an old school. Yeah. Um, no, that, that, is, that is good. My daughter's always saying to me, Mom, you've got to get onto the TVP. And I used to, when my kids were little, because I brought them up vegetarian, we had it all the time. And they're like, oh, we're having this. But I've got totally out of the habit. And she, and I, you're right. So, so sell it to me, baby. Sell yeah. me on the TVP. Um, 
So textured I, vegetable protein, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know what TVP is. Yeah, so I, I think it's perfect for um, loads of different recipes. You can buy it in different shapes and everything. So, I'm, but uh, I really enjoy. When you said you could buy it in different shapes, for a moment I thought they'd start making it like alphabetic spaghetti. Patrick. You don't yeah. mean that, do you? You mean there's like little cubes or mints? Yeah, yeah but yeah, for a moment I was like, what? <laughs> Why am I not eating this? But no, maybe they should. But yeah, sorry, um, carry on. <laughs> sorry. Um, so I. I think I think one thing I've really enjoyed doing recently is using the like the minced kind of version of TVP and rehydrating it with uh, some hot water and the vegan beef oxo cubes to make a kind of like beef mince type flavor. And it's way, way cheaper than buying something like a vegan mince out of the freezer mm. section and then just making like a bolognese or something like that. So throwing in some carrots and onion and tin tomatoes, it's really cheap really filling because there's loads of protein in the TBP and um you know you can get pasta pretty cheap as well or, or serve it with rice or whatever that is a great tip and I I usually use green lentils as my mince in you know if I'm going to make a bolognese or whatever that's what I normally go to but occasionally for a change I'm like oh no I want an actual mince and I always go and get it from the freezer I'm always trying to I always quite like to try new ones that have come out as well so I'll try something new yeah. and be like oh, it wasn't so good um where do you get your TVP from? Um, we usually go to, so Holland and Barra always run like a, like buy one, get one for a penny. Get sale. one for a penny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we we always go to Holland and Barra when they've got one of those sales on. And so it's basically buy one, get one free. And you get uh, like a good size bag of it. And it lasts you for ages. You need something like a quarter of a cup per person for a portion. And the bags last for so long. It's a, It's a really good cheap protein source good excellent thank you because i yeah i don't think you can get it in the big supermarkets and i'm a lazy shopper i want to buy it all in one place because i hate supermarket shopping so i don't want to shop around which i know is bad um but you're right you can just go and get it and it can just sit in the cupboard and um, i'm really glad you brought tvp to the party because i think it's a really important versatile cheap easy storable lightweight to bring back from the shops yeah. i mean it's like air right yeah <laughs> lovely okay thank you all so much I've really enjoyed this conversation and I think it's really useful you know I think we've covered off a lot of stuff about cost and busting some of those myths but also it's just really useful to be reminded of some of the you know ways we can cook and some of the ingredients we can use and and how good they are for us so thank you Thank you so much. We've had some comments actually on, on Instagram. So I think I'll just add a few of those in before I let you go, because it's always interesting to hear what, what people say on, on the subject of is it expensive to be a vegan? That fit vegan mum on Instagram says, I would say it's as expensive as you make it. If you include a lot of faux meats, the shopping bill will soon add up. However, there's a lot of cheaper ways to eat vegan. For instance, TVP, there you go. Everyone's talking about it. Uh, lentils are making your own Satan, including lots of beans. So people are out there doing it. Sylvia Jackson on Facebook says, is veganism expensive? The cost of meat products is prohibitive red lentils are versatile and can be used in so many ways potatoes can also be used the same way i've been vegan for over 30 years and i'm glad when i see the price of dead animals and uh, mrs c fitzwilliam on twitter says no it's not expensive if you cook all ready meals and fast food are expensive whether vegan or not so i think social media is uh, echoing what we've all been saying today so it's it's good to know we're all on the same page thank you so much dan and jess for joining us today it's been a pleasure 
pleasure and thank you Katie as well for joining our discussion it's been lovely to meet you and lovely to chat with you you too thank you so much and I hope that's given you some insight into how to eat fantastic vegan food on a budget and maybe uh, a few talking points for those friends who tell you it's too expensive to go vegan and of course as well if they ask you where you get your protein uh, you can find Jess and Dan on Instagram at vegan underscore punks and they have lots of brilliant recipes on their website veganpunks.com and find Katie's recipes and info on where to buy her fantastic books she's got nine out tenth on the way I believe uh, her website is katiebesco.com and you can find her on Instagram at katiebesco and let us know how you feel about the cost of a vegan diet have you found your food shops have got cheaper or perhaps you are loving the vegan lifestyle but you'll find it a struggle to keep the price down don't forget for more resources on low-cost vegan eating, you can visit our Live Vegan for Less pages at theveganSociety.com, where there's plenty of recipes and help and advice to get you creating nutritious budget meals. Thank you so much. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at Vegan Society, on Instagram, at The Original Vegan Society, or on Facebook. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you can catch next month's episode of The Vegan Pod. Bye.